Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. I am Marley Silva and as always, I am joined by my two incredible co-hosts, Keely and Georgia. Girls, how are we? Yeah, pretty great. Thanks. Georgia just stuck her tongue out like rock on. Let's go. That's how good she is. I'm so good. <laughs> We're having a few technical difficulties on this record, so hopefully it all comes through. We've got an absolute killer of a show for you if we do say so ourselves. We're going to talk about um, some NBA players who are getting involved in ownership in the NBL in Australia and what that might mean for Australian sport. We're also going to talk about uh, coaches, particularly in the NRL and you know when it's fair to kick them out and blame them for how their team's going. But most importantly and most fun, we have a chat with Cooper Johns who happens to be not only in the Melbourne system and the son of Maddie Johns, but one of George's housemates. And it is a hilarious chat. So stick around for that. But before we get into it, I want to hear, girls, how were your weeks? Kills? Um, yeah, I had a really good week, actually. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, but in regards to the potty, I've got a few things. Oh, oh, she's she's got the feedback. Kiels is good for the listener feedback. Yeah, I always have like a little story too, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a common thing. Anyway, yeah. um, I got very good feedback from both Abby Papp and Nick Good, who I spoke about last week. <laughs> they were over the moon. I got a message from both of them individually just saying how stoked they were to get a shout out, <laughs> which we appreciate. Um, and Goody also gave me a bit of uh, – more feedback from him that we'll talk about later in one of the sections. Uh, and then I just wanted to give a massive shout out to Latrell Mitchell uh, during the week. If you didn't see it, I'm sure you did because it was everywhere. He bought his parents a house, their dream home, which I think is just something to bring up. Yeah, hundred percent. It was like so beautiful. What dreams are made of. Um, but yeah. How was your week, Georgia? My week was great. I um, continued my holiday after our head noise Monday um up to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland which was lovely I was a little bit disappointed because I was going up to go to my school reunion but Brisbane remained an orange zone for Victoria so I couldn't quite get to that but shout out to the Maggie's girls they looked like they had a great night and I FaceTimed in momentarily which was great fun um but yeah I spent the week on the farm with my mum saw all the animals and loads of the family so that was really nice I had a great week amazing um and Georgia, I believe you have some uh, feedback as well, particularly surrounding our sports movies chat from last week. I do. I do. Feedbacks and more or less some public apologies on behalf of the pod. Um, I had feedback from a number of listeners, one including my sister, um, about the devastation of some of the movies we missed in the conversation about the greatest of all time sporting movies. One being The Blind Side, which honestly I'm disappointed in myself. Tear Joker gets me every time. Love it. One of my faves. And another being The Mighty Ducks. Oh, that is literally that one of my from, all-time favourites too. I can't believe I missed it. <laughs> seriously, that came in from loyal listener Mick Heathwood, who's also um, just an all-round legend, and he – has been messaging me pretty weekly about the pod and messaged this week and was like, hey, girls, great chat. Just one question. I noticed the Mighty Ducks was missing. And honestly, I just want to say we're sorry. And I know after this week, people are going to come back and be like, 
there's more that you missed. So we're going to draw the line here, the apologies, but if we missed yours, we're sorry. Yeah, I um, also just on self-reflecting, forgot to speak about Karate Kid. Oh, killer. Right? That that was like a really OG, key film the OG, in our, yeah. our childhood. Dad still talks about Mr. Miyagi. Um, I also had feedback uh, from – it completely related to this same topic. Obviously, this was a massive one for you guys, all about sporting movies. But it is it is a really uh, – people have strong opinions about this. And over the weekend, I was working at the uh, Sydney Royal Easter Show with the Australian Film Television Radio School students with their – they do show radio there. And one of the students, his name's Charles, and he listens to the show, legend, and he was actually just – doing a bit of a humble brag by letting us know that he actually still has Like Mike on DVD. Um, so I know that – Is that, that like a we can borrow it kind of thing or is that like a I've got it and you don't? <laughs> you don't. I don't know actually. I didn't ask. I, and I also thought about the fact I don't think we have anything left in this house that actually plays DVDs. Yeah, the PlayStation. Oh, true. Okay. Well, Charles, if you could lend us it, that would be great. <laughs> it would really make my weekend. <laughs> All righty, let's get into some MVPs. You're the real MVP. This brings us to MVPs. Each week we all award someone or something, our personal MVP title for something they've done that has brought a smile to our face. I'm going to kick us off. Very exciting news that has just come out of the States when we were recording, which is Monday. Hideki Matsuyama is the first male Japanese Masters champion, uh, which is so exciting. I think, you know, I'm not someone who is a golf fan per se, but I love seeing firsts in sport and to be the first um, man from your country to represent your people on that level and get the green jacket, as it is in this um, particular comp, is pretty impressive. I've seen some really amazing um, positive responses from across the globe. Everyone's so stoked for him, which is just beautiful. And there's a lot of pictures of him from 2011 when he was in an amateur uh, version of the Masters and his progression, you know, 10 years down the track to actually be the champion. Just made me really, really happy. What about you, Kills? Uh, my MVP um, happened last week, and it is a boy from the States, Jalen Suggs. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if not. Uh, and he scored the winner. He plays college basketball. Um, it was the game between Gonzaga versus UCLA. So basically in overtime, uh, it's 88 to 90, and UCLA uh, match it up to 90 all. And then in the last... Zero. It's literally you see in the clock in the background. Zero point zero one seconds. He shoots from halfway and um, gets a three pointer. So it's ninety three ninety and Gonzaga win. Beautiful. Amazing. What dreams are made of? Amazing. Guys, we have had some extreme technical difficulties on this record. Don't know why. Um, the podcasting gods are not treating us very favor- favorably as it stands. So we've had to call Georgia in on a not the program we would usually use. So apologies if the audio change is a little bit disjointing. But, hey, it's all about the quality of the content, and that's what we're And bringing. it's all about adversity. Yep. It's all about overcoming challenges, <laughs> and, and this is what we do. And so, Georgia, tell us who your MVP is on that note. My MVP is Tyra Cooney-Cross, and she kicked the winner in extra time for the Melbourne Victory women's team last night at the time of recording, so Sunday night. Um, 
And the best part is she didn't want to take the shot. She is quoted saying she was desperate to avoid the lottery of penalties and um, really didn't want to be the one to take it, but picked it, won the comp for the victory, which was awesome because they're my team more or less. Did you get a chance um, to watch it? I did because, shout out Cammy Dev, I was getting ready to watch his game and their game was delayed because the women went into a double extra time. Yeah. So I watched the end of it, which was unreal. It was um, so cool because really cool. it was from a corner and like, it's yeah. not like, you know, it's not often that you can um, curve it in and get a goal from the corner. So it was great. I felt pretty sad though, because I saw the footage of the Sydney FC goalie sobbing. Oh yeah. She was so upset. And she had a cracker the whole game. Yeah. And it's so, I always think, and I remember being told this when I played soccer growing up, which is a million years ago, but it, you know, your goalie is your last line of defense. So it's not, it's not your fault. So. Yeah. But that's so hard to take. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially on that level in the <laughs> you, final. Yeah. You'd be oh. that off it. Anyway. All good. There's always a winner and there's always a loser. And the winner last night was Kyra Kunikra. Yeah. And I can and only imagine Sydney, F- and <laughs> Sydney FC wouldn't be – like the team, they're not going to be off their goalie. Just what happens. Also, great name. I love a little bit of alliteration. Kyra mm. Cooney-Cross. Right, Marley. <laughs> Go ahead, Touchdown! Now it is time for a segment that we call Around the Grounds, where we dive into some of the biggest headlines in sports media from the week that we just can't stop thinking about. This first one we got from YKGR's Mag, I don't know if you guys have seen that they started putting out articles yes. as part of their content producing machine, one of our other favourites that we like to, um, you know, learn from. And Shout out to YKTR. Yes. And without even talking about it, uh, both Georgia and I had picked up on this particular article because it was quite a uh, striking headline. It, it w- came from the MBL. Uh, there's a weird sharp sound. If you can hear that beeping, Harry Grant has just set off our smoke alarm trying to cook dinner. <laughs> What's thanks, he cooking? Thanks, Harry. I, right now, am looking at Harry very calm in the kitchen and Cooper frantically waving a jacket at the smoke alarm. <laughs> <all right>. So, <laughs> apologies for the ringing sound. Honestly, oh, you, just this, paint, you painted a real good picture. And this bloody episode is a comedy of errors, can I say? Far out. Alrighty. So the headline from this article from YKTRs was from the NBL Bucks guard, Chris Middleton joining Brisbane Bullets in the ownership group. I first want to give out a shout out to the quality of journalism that comes with their articles. I love the way they just like put it out there exactly how I guess they're thinking. Um, yeah, it's great, great reads. Great reads, really entertaining. Yeah. So basically – The gist of this story is it's been announced last Friday that um, Chris Middleton from the Bucks in the NBA uh, would join Kevin Martin and Thaddeus Young as part of the Brisbane Bullets Club's new ownership group. And it comes after Rockets guard John Wall joined the South East Melbourne Phoenix ownership group in November. And there was another uh, guy who joined the New Zealand Breakers ownership group last year too. And this is the line from the article that just really got me in. The more that US game creeps down, the better, man. And for any rising stars looking to do the mellow route, F off college and come down here to play. This only adds to their intrigue. Really interesting story. And I think uh, one that got us thinking about, you know, ownership and having uh, American players from the NBA coming to Australia and being a part of the sport, not just on the court. Firstly, you know, what do you guys think this is going to mean 
for sport, our sport in Australia. And yeah, what did you guys think of the article? I thought the article was great. Great read. Really enjoyed it. Um, again, shout out to YKTR. And I think that it's actually really exciting. It's going to be super great for Australian sport. I think that uh, the more that we can get and, you know, when you think about sport in America, that's what we look up to. That's what we strive to be. We want to be as entertaining as them. We want to have that, you know, that kind of money coming in uh, to help build our sport. And I think it's what a great way. Everyone loves the NBA. Everyone loves to get around those players. So them coming here is only going to build us more. So I think it's super exciting and I found it really interesting to read. So thanks to you two for um, picking up on this one because reading through all the stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. What about you, Georgia? Yeah, I agree. I think it's obviously when we think big sport and the big name players and all the greats and all the money that is involved in sport, we think of the state. So, you know, just like YKTR said, the more that the US game creeps down here, the better, man. Um, I thought it was really good. And yeah, just reading up heaps about, um, like you said, it sort of got us thinking on all the different ownership structures that there are in sport and even in Australia. There's so many across the different codes, but as you get international, there's even more, obviously, the way things are owned. And it's really interesting to see if clubs and codes as a whole are going to move towards those different, like, fan-owned, player-owned structures. I think will be interesting to see. And obviously, again, a lot of that works internationally where there is a huge amount of money flowing through the sport. So it will be interesting to see if it works here and if it creeps into our organisation. Yeah, because I think off the back of, of this particular conversation, and I think it, it shows value in the talent that's coming out of Australia. I also know Patty Mills is really driving getting some junior NBA scouts and, and doing some camps specifically with uh, promising young Indigenous players in Australia. You know, he's that kind of really amazing charitable guy. Uh, so there's some really exciting stuff happening there. And I, I think that, you know, the more that we have that, the more opportunities that our up-and-comers get will will be better for you know, us as a sporting nation. But yeah, on that um, chat about ownership, um, it made me dive into a rabbit hole of like what current athletes actually own uh, or have ownership stakes in different sports. It's so interesting. One of the ones that I saw that was really, I didn't, I had no idea about is Venus and Serena Williams are part owners of the Miami Miami Dolphins Dolphins in the NFL, which I think is so cool. And they're like the only uh, black women to, to own something like that. Um, The other ones that we were looking at were like LeBron James, which it was very um, high publicity when he bought a stake Liverpool. in Liverpool FC. So, so thinking of those like American players who obviously make a lot more money than most of our athletes, with some of the higher contracts that we're seeing, do you think that down the track maybe we could see some more of that? And what do you think the benefit is of, of having someone who's been a professional athlete be a part of the, the direction of a club and things like that? Um, I think that just on that last note, that what you just said, if you have an athlete kind of get on board, when it comes to administration and where you want your club and sport to go, you need the opinions and thoughts of a player because essentially they're the ones that are being affected. So it'd be really cool to see um, someone who's already played the sport or been involved in elite sport, whether it's different or not, um, but sharing their opinion and um, kind of getting a say on those uh, more higher um, decisions. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a good way that we could be going. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I um, agree in terms of that players have been on the ground in these organisations for better than anyone else has. And 
they are the people who are affected by all of the decisions at the end of the day. And obviously over the past sort of 10 years, I'd say we've seen, especially in Australia, a lot of our sporting organisations turn far more into businesses than clubs. Um, So I suppose it's about finding that balance if we want these codes to be fruitful and to be everlasting and to be financially successful and to have great fan engagement and all of those things. You do need business minds in there and at the top making decisions. Um, But I think if you can get the right balance of athletes who know best for the sport and business people who want the best for the sport but know best for the business, uh, it can be a really effective way to run it. I suppose you don't have, you know, only business people running a law firm or lawyers running an airline. Like you need people who experience it and know how to work the ins and outs of it. Um, yeah, I've, I found their article on player ownership stakes in their current club while they're there really interesting. They're something they're exploring in the States and I think it could be a bit messy, but it's an interesting topic to think about. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, having someone like Peter Volandis come through uh, with Rugby League and become something of a cult hero for not only saving the sport during COVID, but being someone who is sort of the perfect balance of a massive fan of the sport with an incredible business mind. That's what you want in terms of leadership. And uh, And he's also willing to take leaps. Exactly. Which is important in regards to something like this. Yeah, and to take risks. But I think that the element that is missing in in a lot of our codes and needs to be filled, I guess, that could come from players being involved, is valuing the well-being, the hopes and aspirations and the prosperity of the players, the athletes themselves. I think that that's something that is missed and can be added by having more athlete ownership and more athlete or former athlete leadership in the administration side. Because I I just think that, yeah, they could really target that. Obviously, again, we do talk about NRL a lot, but we have seen such a massive decline in junior registrations, in support for the sport, in um, people showing up to games and things like that because of like the negative rhetoric, I think, around the sport and also like safety concerns and blah, 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 blah. But a way to solve that could be from... You know, having having players have more of a say and in, in that, especially if that that high level of decision making and focusing on that player side and player welfare. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's that's what I think is is really that, missed. That could be the the, the missing. Key. Yeah, the key factor. Hundred percent. And I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, Mars. cool. I'm glad that makes sense. <laughs> um, so off the off the back of that, I was also thinking, do you guys think if there was more high profile or you know fan ownership? in sport as we're talking about that could also be a key to increasing the value of and profit of women's sport because imagine if you know some big heavy hitter say say ben simmons came and he wanted to invest in a you know women's basketball team in australia do you not think that people like i just see that as an opportunity where people go oh my god i want to watch ben simmons team um so that could be a way to invest in in more women's sport? I, I don't know. That, that was just something I thought about as well. Yeah, I think 100%. Like, in general, Australian sport, we do need that. But even more so, yeah, women's, especially considering that. I don't know the stats. Maybe we can fact-check during the week if any of the players do own the um, female 
teams in, in the, the US. States. Yeah, no, that's actually like something I looked up. Yeah, we should maybe check that out because I think that'd be interesting. Because I have no doubt that a lot of their athletes probably do, um, and because they, um, you know, have the money and they can invest and be pretty cool. I think it would help us a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not something I've thought of, but as you said it, I I couldn't agree more. And I think in if someone like Ben Simmons who Shut up, Ben Simmons. Love you. Love. <laughs> what a team. I'm way more inclined to watch it. Um, if you're listening, love you. Um, no, I would be way, <laughs> I'd be way more inclined to just check it out. Like if it was a code that I don't watch as much or um, something that's not probably on my weekly schedule for watching. But, I'm, you know, you get a name. I think it's like you get – it gives you an affinity with that team because if you don't know the players, you know the owner or you know the coach, or you know their key player or something, that automatically makes you more likely to watch. So I think, yeah, it would be good. Yeah, you just think about like Russell Crowe with South Sydney uh, and even like two weeks ago, his ability to bring uh, Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth to games and how much of a a media buzz that caused. And even just his ability over the years since he's been an an owner um, to, to have more international people be like know who South is and, and what rugby league is. I think that Yes, there's definitely people I've come across before that wouldn't have a clue about NRL but know that because like a lot of people went off but Hemsworth was there and I just saw a lot of Instagrams and stuff and I was laughing like this is great. We just gotta think about you know creative out of the box ways to to get more eyes. Um and I think specifically, you know, my bias is that I would like to see that um with the women's game. My final question on this for you all of you is if you could be a multi-millionaire tomorrow, wake up, and what team or what sport would you want to invest in? I um, was speaking to you about this before, but I would be looking, obviously, the US. Uh, I'd be looking into the baseball. I love it. I think it's good. There's a lot of money in it. Um, I think that'd be just as smart by me, trying to be business mind. You're trying to do money ball. Yeah, right and I'm like, I think this could be for me. Uh, otherwise, I'd be going to Europe and I'd be um, in the – Football, the soccer. Football, the European football. What about you, Georgia? I automatically go mine to NBA. I think I just, I just have to find a warrior. Steph Curry can be my friend. <laughs> oh, if it's not um, obvious enough, I'm I, totally fangirl over Curry. Yeah, 100. And I'm not ashamed to admit it because he's a great bloke. But uh, as far as I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I would – I also think it's important to have a passion for the team that you're investing in. And I don't know anything about – many like I I don't really know much about NFL or NHL or baseball don't even know what their acronym is so yeah probably NBA Lakers a really successful organization someone that's you know got the name around them I think would be my best bet oh my gosh I forgot about the NHL I love hockey ice hockey maybe oh oh, there's too much for me Marley I'm not even a multi-millionaire and I'm stressing about this decision We'll see. I, and, you know, as per usual, I had to take a bit of a different route on this. Of course you did. I want, you know, a a go. bit of a, a fixer-upper, fixer right? No, oh, are you going to buy the Broncos? <laughs> no, I'm not buying the Broncos. God, bro, buy the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. As if I was going to pass up buying the most important so club in my life. You're a multimillionaire and you're not going to America. No, because I, w- I want to invest in a sport I'm most passionate about, oh, yeah. right? I want to invest in the club that oh, I care you're about a the hero, most. Miles, no, you're a hero. No, no, we're <laughs> investing. I'm going to get us first things first. We're getting an NRLW team, and 
There's, I have many ideas, actually. So um, if someone wants to <laughs> so give me a lot of money, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I have a plan. <laughs> I have, particularly around the media marketing side, I think we need to change who we are perceived as. I think we need to utilize the fact that we are the most culturally diverse club in the sport. We also, okay, well, while you do that, can you also... I know We're going to get some wins on the board. Yeah. But also... Mate, back to Belmore, like every second That's week. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's the thing. You, grassroots stadiums, the way Belmore goes off when we have those, what, two games a year when it's there. And they Even can't, if we're getting pumped, yeah, but, it doesn't matter. And also, I almost think it's better that it's smaller and less tickets because then people want to go because it's that exclusive, like, well, you better get in or it's going to get sold out. I tell you what, this is a thing. This is a smart investment, I'm telling you. <laughs> It's a smart investment because no Bulldogs fans are the most loyal fans oh, yeah. in rugby league. We show we up, no one leaves white, early. Baby. They're there, they plan, they play their drums to the last second. You know, there was a time when we used to try and set fires in the stadium and things like that. Fire but we're beyond that. Okay. We're a community club, we're a family club. We've grown. Someone Bulldogs, get in touch. Get Molly's in touch. I'm ideas. ready. I'm ready. <laughs> So at the time of recording, there are rumours running amok about the future of uh, the current Cronulla Sharks coach, John Morris, and whether he will be booted from Cronulla after 2021 and be replaced by someone else. So after the 2020 in the NRL, uh, there was a number of coach axings that we saw. And it begs the question, is it fair to put the onus on the coach? When is it right? How much time should a coach have to prove that they are the right leader for the team? And what other circumstances do we have to count in? Because it felt like there were so many um, who just got shown the door very quickly when their teams weren't performing. And of course, you know, they play a part in club culture and team morale and things like that. But seeing this this last, uh, most recent story, considering John Mon- Morris, yeah, it just made... Me personally kind of go, is this is this really fair? So I wanted to talk to you guys about it. How do you feel about this? We don't know whether it's been confirmed. There's just been a few headlines that have come out um, that Cronulla has approached Craig Fitzgibbons. Fitzgibbons yeah. and, um, but yeah, nothing has come out yet. What do you guys think? Um, I just think uh, it's really, for me personally, I find it hard to comment on because I know there's like anything in any sport and any business, there's always behind the scenes stuff that you don't know about and where, which will not go public. So you're not really sure, but I think as an amateur athlete, I my focus would be on what the players think. And I think that's really important because your relationship as a player with your coach, um, it, well, it, you know, it determines if you're going to play. It determines how you're playing, how, you know, if he's looking after you, if he, you know, managing players' um, personal life as well as their sporting life. Um, so I, I think I would be, in regards to decisions like this, and a few in the previous years, players have come out when coaches have been sacked or things are going on and said, no, like we back him and they've backed their coach. And I I just think that's important because even if maybe something's not going right within the team, if you love your coach and you want to play for them, like things will slowly get better, whether you want to wait like a long or not. I I just think um, that that's got to be, that's what I'm looking at it from, from players perspective perspective and team morale. Yeah. I think that's a great point. You it's hard to get up as a team if you don't feel appreciated and respected by your coach. Someone who gets around them and um, makes you want to play for them is definitely the person you need in the top job. But 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. I agree with Kelly. It's hard to comment on because there's always more going on. Um, I've had some conversations with different friends in the past who have been at clubs when coaches have been ousted and it, it ranges. There's some people who thought they should have gone sooner and some people who thought they shouldn't have gone at all. So it's a tough one. I think what's happening now at the Broncos is a perfect example. Kevy's been there for all of four weeks. And they're already talking about how long he's going to last. He signed a two-year contract. And I think that has been a huge change in the way the game's working at the moment as well as that contracts are very breakable and tend to be broken more freely than they perhaps were in the past. But, yeah, it's a tough one. Obviously, Kevy inherited the list that he has now and is um, trying to work with that roster with very few changes. And they've given him four weeks before the... Um, rumor windmills have started again. And that's the first thing that that commentators say. They say, you know, how long has he got? And this is a very well-respected man who's been around the code for a really long time, who did amazing things for the Broncos and for Queensland when he was there. And it's already starting the conversation. And look, I would hope in my heart that they give him the two years and he turns it all around. But, you know, that's a team that he's inherited and he's pouring his heart and soul into. And four weeks in and they're already bashing him. Obviously, there's some, you know, from the outside looking in, I think there's some issues going on at the Broncos and evidently the Bulldogs as well. Um, but, yeah, it's hard. I suppose it's different too when it's your team. I try to put myself in that position whether I would be like, get him out, get a fresh start. Like I just think like four weeks over, is such a short amount of time. Yeah, and the chat yeah, is the same for Trent Barrett at the Dogs already, yeah. that, that, that sort of stuff. And I, it's so completely unfair yeah as dog supporters we can say uh yeah i totally agree it is so unfair and so premature and and putting way too much of the onus on the coaches that's that's from my you know non-expert opinion it just feels like that you know the, the coaches can't be on there making the plays themselves like it, it it's i don't know i i just think it seems a bit ridiculous and, and going to your point keely about what the players think i think um something that kind of really cemented i really wanted to talk to this today was when Sean Johnson was on the Maddie John show on Sunday night. And um, he's quoted as saying that Morris hasn't had any control over the roster. He's been in a situation where their salary cap has been shot the last couple of years and he's made do with what he's got. And Johnson said, I genuinely can't speak highly enough of him. So I think that's telling and it needs to be taken into consideration. Absolutely. And this is like, I, I know this has been a league heavy conversation, but it's like the article I sent through today. Before the season even started this year in the AFL, there's a Fox article going around saying the top five coaches under the most pressure in the AFL. This is their teams haven't even taken to the field and the media is already hanging these coaches on crosses, waiting for the public to come and watch just to see. So it's like, how do you start? If you play the reigning premiers in round one and get dusted, it's already on the coach. And like you said, Marley, I think obviously coaches have a huge role to play in terms of culture and training and all the behind the scenes stuff. But at the end of the day, there's 17 or 18 or however many players in your code take the field or the court and they have to be the ones to execute the game. Uh, it's funny how you mentioned that that's, that was said by the media at the start of the year. And I think that we've touched on this quite a bit, but media needs to sort their lives out. Just, I, I think they the, just want to create the drama, man. Yeah, and I just think that, like, the main point to get out of this, and again, it's purely as spectators, not people who are in the room or know what's going on. I think that 
everyone can be a little bit kinder from yeah. a, from an outside and and also be very aware of the fact there's a lot of other things going on and and I don't know just give yeah we we shouldn't be putting so much weight on the coaches at the end of the day to wrap up our around the ground segment today we have an exclusive chat with the one and only Cooper Johns son of Maddie Johns and Trish Johns uh, who is my favorite Johns on the Johns family podcast <laughs> And brother of Jack Johns. And brother of Jack Johns. He's <laughs> like to leave one out. <laughs> Nephew of Joey Johns. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper Ma. It's a great chat. So funny. Uh, he lives with Georgia Moore. We get a little bit of an insight what it's like to live with her. Sounds amazing. Um, it's a house you want to be in, put it that way. Get ready for some fantastic laughs. All right. Here's Cooper. This is my friend. His name's Cooper. We're not friends. We're acquaintances and we're roommates. It's not friendship. That's so mean because people are going to believe you. As they should. It's the truth. I don't lie on podcasts. Well, Cooper Johns, it's an it's an honour for you to take out the time and sit next to your acquaintance. It must be painful if that's the case. Um, thank you for being honest. That is the best policy uh, to have in the podcasting forum. Let us know. You know, we want to know what it's really like to live with Georgia Moore. Um, it's... As you probably know, she's very opinionated um, and her opinion, she's very stubborn. So her opinion's either right or you're wrong. So um, it's very hard. Sorry, that was Harry trying to interrupt the podcast. He made a hemorrhoid joke. He said I've got hemorrhoids, (laughs) which I just just to clarify on the podcast, I do not have hemorrhoids uh, anymore. Um, I went and seen the doctor about them and he sorted that out for me. So. Um, I'm clean, quicky, quicky clean at the moment. But George Moore, back on George Moore. Um, speaking of hemorrhoids, um, she's she's very opinionated, and yeah, she's she's very stubborn. So it's hard it's hard to get your any of your opinions across board because she just thinks she's right all the time. Few debates in the household, then. Few debates, yeah. Few debates in the household. Uh, I don't want to go into depth of what they are. They're probably not podcast appropriate. Some of them, um, but. But hemorrhoids, um, but, are, hemorrhoids are podcast appropriate. Hey, hemorrhoids is a, is a serious condition that I think people need to be more aware of. Go check yourselves out if you haven't already. <laughs> so, Cooper, we know that, um, you know, speaking about podcasts and podcast appropriate, you, you are the more experienced um, out of, well, not, not more experienced than me, actually, but more than the other two hosts on our show. Um, you have a, you know, quite successful family podcast that, that we've enjoyed time to time. Do you have any advice for us, any feedback? I'm knowing that you're such a loyal listener of Chicks and Balls that would help us as we move forward in our podcasting journey. Yeah, I am a big fan of um, Chicks and Balls. So um, I'm a big fan of the podcast too. Uh, but <laughs> but um you know, I just think you need to be yourselves in the podcast industry. Um, you know, they, the listeners—if you're on there faking it long enough, the, the uh, listeners—they're gonna—they're gonna know that you're faking it. So just be yourself, girls. And uh, I think you've done that thus far, and that's why people are loving you. <laughs> wow, words of inspiration. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Can we just circle back to us living together for a minute here? How, how did it come to be that we live together? Do you want to let the listeners know who asked who? We we did ask Georgia. Um, me and Harry 
have been living together for some time since we've both been down in Melbourne and I think we needed a different opinion in the house to sort out debates and why not also get someone to help with the cooking in our house as well because she's clearly a good cook, Georgia. I'm giving you a wrap here. Um, you're a very good cook, so we wanted someone in the house who was going to you know, I mean, do the job that other people wouldn't have a high emphasis on, but Georgia does. Other people being? Being myself and Harrison. <laughs> well, it's beautiful. <laughs> Georgia, my next question was actually going to be to you. What's it really like living with Cooper Johns? Everyone always asks this, and the answer is always I'm never bored. It's pretty good. I enjoy the fact that these two boys work very hard, obviously, but don't have your typical day job. So it's very refreshing for me when I come back from the office. They just have no concept of what I do, which is great. Don't have to talk about work. Uh, but no, very entertaining. Cooper's very musical. He's um definitely the class clown of the house. Yeah. Um, in in the, in a good way. Yeah, I've always sort of been that class clown, so I'm happy to I'm happy to take that tag. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's great. It's very entertaining. I um. Haven't lived with two boys before, so it's fun. I lived with one last year, and that was enough. But, no, I love them. They're very helpful, very supportive friends. It's great. We knew way too much of a rap. It's funny. dragged on me. It's funny how she talks about, like, what she does for work, and people always ask me, uh, like, who do you live with? I say, oh, Harry and George Moore. And they go, Georgia, what does she do? And I go, honestly, I have no idea. Just the way we like it. Yeah, honestly, I have zero idea. She gets home, she get, leaves early, gets home late as, and I'm just sitting on the couch, and I'm sort of like, what are we having for dinner tonight? And she's tired from work, and I don't know what she's done at all for the whole day. And I never really asked. Well, she I, had, I had one final question for you, Cooper. Um, as Georgia mentioned, you are quite a music man, and we have a Chicks and Balls playlist, a pump-up playlist. What song would you add to our playlist? Well, this one, this isn't, this is a song I always finish to finish before I'm about to go to warm up on the field. I always listen to this song. No, sorry, not finish to. Before I <laughs> that too, actually, I do that as well. Um, oh. But as I'm about to, you know, I mean, like we're about to go at the warm up. I always listen to "I Don't Want to Talk About It" by Rod Stewart. It's a bit of a slow song, but it always. I've got, um, as you can probably tell, I've got a little bit of like. Um, ADHD sort of thing like I'm always talking and I enjoy talking so when I'm in the sheds and whatnot I need to calm myself down rather than pump myself up because I can I can pump myself up pretty quickly but I it takes me a while to calm down so you be cool calm collected yeah exactly cool calm collected yeah thank you very much Keely I got you Oh, Cooper Johns, always a pleasure. Thank you full so much. Full of love. Full of for, love. Yeah, giving us some of your very valuable time. Girls, you're welcome. I'm um, I'm happy to. I'm happy that you just gave me heaps of notice to come on too. It's really good. Thank you. When you were a pro, you were always going to be ready. I, I feel like you knew you knew a while ago, and then Georgia came in two minutes ago and said, "Hey, you're going to be on the podcast." To be honest, we wanted the other housemate, but he's at uni, so you were up. Um. I'm insulted and I no longer give you guys consent to use this. <laughs> oh! <laughs> now we come to our final segment of the show, which is our ones to watch, where we recommend what sport, event, or even a Netflix show you should be watching for the week ahead. 
I'll kick us off. I have just started listening to a podcast called The Breakdown, uh, which has been produced by The Australian, and it's all about the fall of Australian rugby. Um, I'm not someone who grew up watching rugby. I just find it really fascinating. I think it leads off our chat about, you know, sports administration and, and all the finances and all that kind of stuff that we were talking about around ownership earlier in the episode. And I'm finding it so fascinating to see how quickly there was this shift in Australian culture where there was a period where the Wallabies were everything and every kid wanted to be a Wallaby and people could name all the players and they were these, you know, cult heroes to now I honestly, yeah, really struggle to name any rugby players. And, um, you know, we've seen how public a lot of the discussions are around their, you know, money troubles and, and even just getting people to game. So highly recommend it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's a bit of a tough listen in terms of like it's it's quite heavy and um, you kind of have to feel like someone who uh, really wants to understand this. Like it's it's a bit of a slog to get through, but it's very interesting. There's even in an interview with former Prime Minister John Howard talking about um, after they won some event um, drinking alcohol out of the cup in uh, Kirribilli House, which is just bizarre to listen to because you don't imagine John Howard to do that. That's more of a Hawko thing. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. Um, my one to watch is the AFLW Grand Final this Saturday, which is between the Adelaide Crows and the Brisbane Lions, played at Adelaide Oval, uh, which the girls might be attending this weekend, which is super exciting. Sadly, I won't be, but I want to give a shout out because I will be physioing for my young Tasha Gale girls in their semi-final, uh, which is really exciting. So they're mine too. And my one to watch, a bit more on the business end of things and sort of following on from Marley's is Rugby Australia has their AGM coming up this week. And it is predicted to, I'm not saying watch the AGM, terribly boring (laughs) watching, but it's predicted to spill and have one of the most uh, female present, I suppose. One of the boards with the most females on it. Um, in terms of Australian sport moving forward. So that's really exciting. There's some spots opening up there, and I think it would be really cool to see some women at the top. So don't watch the AGM, but look out in the news and see how many women end up on the Rugby Australia board. Nice, G. We might have to have a bit more of a rugby chat next week considering this stuff because I think, yeah, that's something – it's a sport I want to know a bit more about and see how they go. So, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to this sixth episode. We made it. We made it to the end after all the technical difficulties. We got there. Um, And if you are enjoying the show, make sure you follow if you're listening on Spotify or subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and a little comment if you like. That would be awesome. Follow us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod. Recommend it to your mates. Uh, Make sure you're keeping an ear out for our halftime huddle chats with our favourite Aussie athletes and other than that we'll catch you guys next week have a great bloody week guys bye oh come on Marley you're better than that (laughs) see y'all it's been a tough episode